This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. It is February 13th, which means tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so this episode is so timely. I didn't even plan this out, guys. It just worked out this way. It was meant to be. So today I have on one of my favorite guests, Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. All of our episodes that we do together just blow up. They do so well. And if you are wondering what episodes we have previously done on The Mom Room, you can go back and listen to episode 67, which is all about resentment. That was the first one we did. So good. Episode 223 is all about boundaries so good. And then I released one that we put out on her podcast, I Am Not Your Shrink. And that is episode 327. And we are talking about, do you remember the whole pancake debacle when I put out that TikTok about being upset that my husband would make pancakes on Saturday mornings and it broke the internet? So we break that down. And just as a side note, I have some content coming up that reintroduces the whole pancake debate. So stay tuned for that. Dr. Tracy Dalgleish and I both got our PhDs from the University of Ottawa. Her PhD is in clinical psychology, and she has spent over 15 years in practice working with individuals and couples. You can find her on Instagram at Dr. Tracy D. And again, her podcast is called I Am Not Your Shrink. She also has an incredible book out, and I was so lucky to be a part of the launch that she did in Toronto. And her book is called I Did Not Sign Up For This. This episode is all about building connection with our partners, little things that we can do day in and day out to just feel better about our relationships and feel more connected. That was one of my New Year's resolutions. And so I was like, hmm, who could I talk about this with on the podcast? And obviously it's Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. So without further ado, guys, please welcome for the fourth time, Dr. Tracy Dalgleish to the mom room. We are so professional. Look at us. <laughs> we got our sure microphones. And look at us. And our, our legit real headphones. I know. So here's the thing. I always used the earbud ones, but they had a cord. It wasn't like the AirPods or anything. And then you see all these podcasters online that have these big 
clunky headphones. And I'm like, well, I guess I should get those headphones because all the other people have them. Uh-huh. And I don't even put one of the earpieces on my ear because I don't like that you can't hear yourself talk. So you put both on your ears? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that I can weird? hear myself, though. Oh, I just found it so strange. So now I keep it half off my ear and I'm like, this is the new me. <laughs> Look at how far we've come from our <laughs> early podcasting days, both of us. Yeah, our $60 Amazon microphones. Now exactly. we're just, we got like the real equipment. Right. So what visit number is this for you or like guest appearance on the mom room? Is it three or four? This might be number four because we've had some really great conversations. Yeah. When I do the intro, the solo intro, I'm going to list the episode numbers so that people can go back and listen to those episodes. I decided for 2024, I'm like, I want to have guests on more regularly that I know I enjoy talking to and I like the topics and stuff like that. And instead of like trying to find new people, it's like, why? You know, like there's people that I love having on. Tanya is like another one. So I'm just going to do that. So One of my resolutions for 2024 was like building a better connection with my husband, but also just a connection in general of like family and friends and being more present and being more mindful of what's going on in the house when everyone's home. Because I think when you work from home, it's very easy to, you don't shut off your work brain, if that makes sense. Because People come home, Milo comes home from school, my husband comes home from work, and I'm like, I don't have that transition period necessarily. So I was like, hmm, who could I have on to talk about building connection with my husband in 2024? So that's what I thought the topic of this episode could be. And just to start, what do you feel about resolutions? What are your thoughts on like resolutions or like January 1st, like that whole thing? Well, I'll tell you what I did, and then I'll tell you my thoughts on it. Come January 1st, I am absolutely exhausted and burnt out from the marathon I just ran in December. And I don't subscribe to the hustle culture of this is a day that now I need to do an overhaul of eating, routines, all the things. And not to mention January 1st, I'm in the thick of it with the kids at home. They're still on vacation for another week. There's no chance for me to have a regular routine. And so, oh gosh, was it 2015? I started tapping into one word intentions that I would have some, you know, pondered a little bit around January 1st. And then that's my intention for the year. But I don't tend to start getting into this kind of, where am I at? What do I need until the end of January? Actually, Greg and I have just had this conversation. We did it just this week of what are we working on this year in our business together? What are we working on in our connection together? What about ourselves? We just had that. And that's because we were exhausted from the marathon of December. So in terms of resolutions, I don't believe you have to wait until January 1st to say, I want to try something new. I also believe there's this piece of saying, I can trust myself that when something doesn't feel good, I can start making a change. And what if we instead felt guided by a way of showing up in life rather than this, I have to, I have to work out for 20 minutes. I have to get movement in for 30 minutes or it's a bust of a day or I can only eat clean or I will will never yell for the rest of the year, right? 
those things are often unattainable. Yeah, I feel like for me, I start thinking about things in December almost. I'm like, what did I enjoy about 2023? Like, what am I proud of that I did? Like, looking back almost at all the things that I did in a good way in 2023. And then it's more so like a a broad picture of what do I want 2024 to look like? Like, I want to prioritize spending time with friends and family and connecting with my husband and not being on my phone as much. It's more like these like big picture kind of things. But I agree when it's, you know, so specific, you're almost setting yourself up for disappointment. Or if you don't meet, you know, that specific goal one week, you're going to be upset. And yeah, I like the more like big picture things. So the meeting that you guys had that you were talking about, what does that look like? Because I saw one of my friends too, she, I forget what she called it, but it was like a meeting. They actually went to the office, like to sit there and legit have a meeting with her husband about goals for their family almost. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I think they had like a whiteboard. So what does your meeting look like? Like, what kinds of things are you, are you guys both like thinking separately and then you come together and share your ideas? Yeah, we we did a little bit of thinking separately and then came back together. And we talked about things that worked really well for us in the previous year. And then we talked about where we want to go and how we can actually do that and the ways that we can support each other. So, for example, one thing we've really been working on as our children are now more independent and getting older is carving out our independent and autonomous time apart from each other instead of the day in, day out, wash, rinse, repeat bedtime cycle with the kids. And so we attempted this in 2023 where... I would take Monday nights and go do something for myself. And then he would take Wednesday nights, go do something for himself, whatever that looked like. But gosh, we didn't really do that great of a job last year. There were a lot of moving parts. And so this year we've committed to it. My first Monday did not go that well, by the way. Um, But we've committed to, okay, let's actually hold each other accountable for this. And the question of how can I then support you to get to that so that we can make this happen? I love this idea, but is that like you leaving the house to go do something? Or could it just be like, I'm going to chill downstairs and read my book? I think that depends on who your kids are. And that that piece there is when I stayed home, my kids know I'm home. They find a way to come and get me. They had lots of big feelings that I was not there doing bedtime and post-dinner play. And so here I am trying to have this peaceful watercolor play, and they're stomping overhead. They're coming in and interrupting. What are you doing, Mom? So it was not restful for me. And I, and I know signing up for that, it's not going to be the most restful thing. And what is better for me is to actually leave the home. But what's challenging about that is, and so this is where Greg and I have our points of contention, which is his activities, they're so great. I love them. And they take four, five, six hours. What is it? Well, he goes dirt biking, which is great. And, you know, he meets up with the guys. They do this track or they drive a little bit further and they do whatever it is. And these do the, the cool trails. And that's great, except... Think about the things that you and I probably do during the week. An hour and a half yoga class? Or I meet up with a friend for an hour and a half, two-hour coffee? 
this is something that I really struggle with, which is the, where are my longer activities? And is this about me finding a new coffee shop to hang out in longer beforehand a little bit before yoga or whatever that looks like? I feel like also the longer activities that I would be interested in are extremely expensive. You know, it's going to be like $300 to go to the spa all day, which like you're not going to be doing that regularly. But what I find is like, I want time alone, but at home. It's harder though to do that because now your partner has to find somewhere to bring the kids for that long of time, which can be difficult. But I totally get what you're saying. It's like, oh, like a, an hour long yoga class. It's like a blip in time. <laughs> Feels like it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, and I know lots of people can relate to their husbands golfing as well. And then the idea, I know some of my friends have joined their own golf leagues, which is great. So there's the ladies golf on Thursday night, which is fantastic. I do not do that yet. Something I like, golf is something I like to do with Greg. But yeah, it, it's challenging. So I can totally appreciate that, Renee, where there's something special about being in the home by yourself. It's your time. And that requires your partner then to take the kids out and they could maybe go to their favorite restaurant or go get a new book, go to the library, you know, with our winters here, go skating at the local rink. There are lots of things that they can do. It sounds like you and I need our own separate, like little apartments, you know, a little, like I always, like Carrie in Sex and the City, her, right. how she <laughs> kept her apartment. I was like, that's sweet. <laughs> Just to be able to go hang out somewhere else, right? Because, yeah, the yoga class and the coffee shop are not going to hold me for yep. four hours that I need. <laughs> oh, let, let me add to that, though, Renee, because, you know, here's here's the piece here that let's normalize this. And I know everybody is different in their relationship, but I think moms frequently forget that we need time for ourselves. And that in order for us to turn to our partners and even want to be intimate, even feel that desire or anticipation with them to go forward into sex or time together or sharing, we need to pour into ourselves first. And when I look back even to my own first year postpartum with both of my kids, those even first four years, I did not leave my kids until the first five years, I think. And, oh, overnight. And that it was just, it was too much. We, we lose ourselves. We forget that we need to tap into this for ourselves. And I know a lot of moms feel guilty about that, but I like to remind them that when you give that and nurture your own identity, you have so much more to give to your family. I know as we were having this conversation, I was like, it's interesting because, you know, the theme of this episode is connecting with your partner but, and that was going to be my next question for you, is how important is it for us to connect with ourselves and, you know, have our hobbies, like you said, fill your cup to then be able to connect with our partner? You know, it's almost like those things are equally important and maybe you need one to be able to have the other. Mm -hmm. There's this exercise I do with couples in therapy. I divide the paper in half and I get them to fill it out on each side where they don't get to see it for each other. And the paper is cut into three quadrants, three, three spots. One represents individual, one is couple, and the other is family. And I say, draw a circle in this space for how much energy you give to each one. 
And a common theme is that moms will draw a really big circle in family, a second big circle in couple, and the small, tiny circle in individual. And then their partner's heterosexual relationship for dad, what he does is family is a fair size, individual is a fair size, couple is smaller. And so it's so interesting even for them to recognize where their energy goes and how different that is. That is interesting. I remember reading about research. They were looking at, it was a similar kind of thing where they had to draw something, but they did it with couples before and after they had kids. And it was something along the lines of showing how much each of their lives changed after the birth of their child, basically. And the husband's circles didn't really change, but the mom's like changed drastically. That was a terrible explanation of probably very high quality research, but you guys get the idea. (laughs) So it's interesting. And I've been saying from day one how important it is to keep your interests going. And it can be so hard because early postpartum is, it's difficult to do anything, right? Like you're just trying to get sleep sometimes and putting effort into yourself. It sounds so like basic, but it's actually so important. And if we actually think about how we're spending our days, like where our time is going, where our effort is going, like are you actually putting effort into yourself? And I think also with women, especially moms, you feel almost guilty for wanting to go and do something for yourself, you know? And like a lot of the content that I put out, sometimes it gets to the wrong crowd. Like when you see the comments from people, you're like, oh, wow. So that's why women feel the way that they do, you know? And I feel bad Sometimes when I put out content and then I see the comments, I'm like, I hope women who are struggling with that, like, don't read these comments and actually believe that this is true, you know? Yeah. And because the the toxic messaging out there of, you know, you should be happy and grateful to be a mom and always, always serving in some way. And we know from research that the more you continue to put yourself on hold, that when you when your kids reach age 10, you'll wake up one day and feel like, who am I? Where am I? Because even like we were saying, going to an hour-long yoga class, sometimes I'll go in the evenings. So the class will be at like 8 p.m. So I'm missing bath time, bedtime. And even for me, like it can be, I'm like, oh, like I question myself, right? And my husband's like, oh my God, go, like we're fine. But once you do it and you work through that feeling, you start to realize that, yeah, everything is totally fine. And this is good. Like Milo sees me, I'm going to yoga. It's a good thing. It's going to be okay. And this is interesting. So my my daughter, she's my barnacle baby. She has a big bucket for physical connection. And I love that part of her. She's brought in more snuggles into our family and with her big sibling. And so she said to me the other day, she being my second, she said, you work too much. I miss our time together. I wish you didn't work as much. And oh gosh, the the immediate response inside of me was, I shouldn't take self-care time. I shouldn't take more time away from the family. I should be here more. What can I cut out of my schedule? Okay, she needs me. 
And then I tapped into this part of me that knows that all feelings are okay and that my job as a parent is to instead work through those feelings with her and not to necessarily make them go away because she's going to be disappointed by other things in life as well. And so for me, it was the, okay, I don't have to change anything. This doesn't make me a bad mom. She has these needs. How could we plan some special time together this week? And I can meet a bit more of that. But the reality is, yeah, it does suck that I'm at work. I totally get that. I wish I could do pickup every day too. And now how can we then make our weekend really special? This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Milo used to always want pancakes or waffles in the mornings, and now he is getting into cereal, and I'm so excited because Magic Spoon is the perfect option. Their variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of carbs per serving. They're made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and I'm just so happy that he's getting a good amount of protein before he goes off to school. And it's a great snack for me and my husband too, because 13 to 14 grams of protein in the cereal, now you add a high protein milk, you're set. That is such a high protein snack or meal. I should also mention that it is gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash momroom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momroom at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momroom and use the code momroom to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. And that is where Little Spoon comes in. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Little Spoon offers baby blends, biteables, and plates. So baby blends is fresh, organic baby food. They have single ingredients, but also multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. Biteables make the transition to finger foods easy because they are cut perfectly to size, which promotes self-feeding. And of course, all the biteables are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. And then there are plates for your toddlers and your bigger kids. They are meals that are free of all the bad stuff. They taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. They have things like hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous things like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. Little Spoon also has smoothies and build-it-yourself lunches. Did I mention it all comes right to your door? It is super flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. You can pick up the menu and change up what you order every single time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You and your kids will love it. It's a huge win-win for your family. Simplify your kid's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. 
Milo gets upset that my husband, like he's a daddy's boy, like he's obsessed with my husband. And my husband is on call sometimes or he's not home when we get home from school or whatever it might be. And he knows like daddy's at work. And it's like, if he ever said that to my, cause sometimes he is like, why do you have to go to work? Like why like stay here? Sometimes I wonder like, does my husband ever have that feeling? Or I feel like to my husband, it's more just like matter of fact. It's not even like a question. It's like, no, I have to go to work. And that's, although he doesn't have as flexible of a job as I do. It's not like he has a choice really, but, <laughs> but still like, Sometimes I I wonder about the difference in like the internal conflict between like what some women go through versus men when it comes to those things. That's the societal messaging I think that so many of us grow up with that as mom you should be home or or maybe even our own mothers were at home and we never saw them sit down versus many men grow up with the message of you need to be the provider and it's okay to be at work. So True. That's where their value has been yeah. light bulb. So it, it likely doesn't cross. So I was going to ask you, what do you do then to transition? Because I that experience of being at home all day and then trying to switch off work brain into connecting brain, and then even what we've been talking a lot about in my community lately is roommate season, how it's like we're great we're great team members. We are efficient. We get things done, but we're also like two ships passing in the night and we don't have connection. I had you on the podcast to talk about this exact topic. And one of the things I was going to mention is that in 2024, a big thing for me was putting my phone away for extended periods of time. And I wouldn't say I'm necessarily someone that, you know, sometimes you can be in a room with someone and they're like constantly on their phone. Like, I don't think that's me, but it is always in my presence. And same with my husband. And He's not a content creator or like social media person. Does he keep it in his pocket? Always. Or it's beside him on the couch or it's on the coffee table or it's plugged into the charger next to the couch. We constantly have our phones readily available to us. And I was thinking, when I was thinking about just like what it feels like in the home when everybody's home from school and from work, that is a thing I'm starting to like hate is a strong word, but I freaking hate it. Like, I hate that, you know, something comes up and my husband's like, oh, just like, let me check. And now he's on his phone. Or the simplest thing, like we asked Milo the other day, what did you guys have for lunch today? Because his school provides lunch and he wouldn't tell us. And so my husband picked up his phone to look it up. But as he was doing that, Milo was like, daddy, daddy, like, look at this, whatever. And I'm in the kitchen getting dinner ready or something. And I turned around and like Milo was trying to get his attention, but he's on his phone trying to see what Milo had for lunch that day. And I was like, put your phone, like I said it in probably a not very nice way, but a few of those instances had happened. And I was like, I can't take it anymore. Like, I hate that the phone is just always there. I think what I'm hearing from people is we are starting to feel, and and maybe this depends on the season, because I know in those early postpartum days, that was my lifeline. It was my connection outside the world, like to the outside world. But I think a lot of us are starting to tap into this pressure to always be connected. And it is tiring, and it is short-acting, and it's not deeply fueling something inside of us. 
And I'm noticing more and more people talking about, let's put this away. This isn't helping us. It's actually distracting us, which is good. Let's move towards that. But you're talking about this key piece, which is the accessibility to it. It's right there. And we know behaviorally when something is right there, the phone, the bag of chips, whatever, alcohol, right? If something's right there, the TV, it's going to be used. When it's easy to get to, it's easy to use. We need to make it harder. So more steps to put into place before being able to get your phone. Because you're like, oh, I should look that up. Oh, phones are upstairs in the bedroom. So, you know, we'll have to do it later. And likely most things that we would say, oh, we should look that up. You wouldn't. Because you don't need to. literally doesn't matter. Like, can Taylor Swift make it to the Super Bowl on time? Like, oh my God, let me look it up right now. Instead of like... Do you have the answer? She can for 100%. (laughs) (laughs) She can make it to Vegas the day before the Super Bowl. So she'll be there. I have not Googled that, but I knew someone would tell me. Yeah, totally. But this is like the level of accessibility. Like you want to know something, it's like instant. But I was thinking to even just have a box on the counter somewhere where it's like, okay, everybody's home. Let's put our phones in this box until... Maybe Milo goes to bed or until we go to bed. Because even just for myself, I will put my phone down for extended periods of time now and I'll like work on a puzzle or whatever. It's amazing when we don't have our phones, how much my husband and I talk more about whatever we're talking about. It could be like football or, you know, something that we saw in the news or anything. Whereas if we had our phones there, these things would not be said. There's a symbolism in there too. So, and I think you felt this with Milo the other day, is this sense of, if I'm coming to you to say something, but you're looking at your phone, the message to me is that your phone is more important to me. Yes. A partner can argue and say, that's not true. You're the most important thing to me. And of course, but it's that micro moment right there where I am trying to reach you and you don't hear me, and I have to repeat myself, and you don't see me. And when we experience that over and over and over again, we stop trying. And so then the phone becomes that barrier to our connection. That That's like the one instance where we're kind of in the common area. Yeah, 100%. I think about that all the time. And also just the fact that growing up as a young child, Milo sees that we are constantly connected and have these little devices constantly. I don't even know like if that's a bad thing, but I just think it's wild that that is what our life is now. Is like when he was young, like two, three years old, he would find my phone somewhere and like come and bring it to me. And I was like, oh my God, like he knows like this is my thing. And I guess that's the world right now. But it just, it feels icky to me now that I wake up and it's like I have my phone in my hand. I walk downstairs before I'm even like aware of what's going on in the world. You know, like I'm carrying my phone down. I can't leave it up in my room, you know, to come have coffee by myself. God forbid. And honestly, like I still do this. Like I did that today. Like I carry my phone down in the morning at six in the morning, have my coffee with my phone. Why? It's crazy. I tell people to create the space. So give yourself 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes you wake up, don't look at your phone. 
focus on connecting with your partner. So one of the most common things moms say to me, parents in general, we're so disconnected. We don't have time. We feel far apart. And it's really interesting when we tell ourselves we don't have time and we start to believe this idea that we don't have time. We do have time. The time goes somewhere else. So it's about getting intentional with our time. 10 minutes in the morning, don't pick up your phone. Turn to your partner. Give them a hug. Ask them a connecting question. Or if it's within yourself, what am I grateful for in this moment? What do I want to focus on moving forward today? Stretch a little. Like, you know, I'm always conscious of opening my body up when I after I wake up. And just be in here. Because when we open our phone and we go to whatever app, if it's a news source, whatever that is, we're taking in all the information from the world and our brains has to do something with that. And that's leading to overwhelm. Our nervous systems are constantly overwhelmed and bombarded with information. Yeah. I feel like we made a big change with both me going through grad school when I was living alone, like the TV always on. That was my background noise constantly. I didn't care what it was. The TV was always on. My husband, same thing. When we had Milo, I started to really not like that. It was like, distracting. And if he sees that the TV is on, he's going to want to watch one of his shows. You know what I mean? So we're really good now at the TV usually isn't on until we, after bath time, we watch Bluey before bed. That's been, you know, on weekends. I'm not saying we don't watch TV. Like on weekends, we watch TV. It's not a thing. But we've really cut back on just having the TV on just to have it on, which is nice. And so this year, I'm like, it's the cell phone year, like we got to do something. So when it comes to strengthening connection with our partners, I was looking at some of your posts on your Instagram. You had four things to strengthen connection. So I'll read them out. And then I thought you could just kind of explain what that means and how we could actually do that in our day to day. So the first one was to lean towards your partner. Yeah, leaning towards your partner. We think of all of these moments where we could lean in or lean out. What does that mean? It means putting your phone down and turning to them and sharing. I had this hard moment today where I wasn't sure about something that was said or all of those things, right? Move closer towards them rather than away and sharing those things that are inside of you instead of keeping them to yourself. It's funny because... I feel like people would easily, you know, pick up their phone and text something to, I'm like that, like I'll text my mom or my sister and be like, oh my God, da, 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 da. But then my husband gets home and you don't necessarily share the same things because you're distracted. You don't share the good stuff. Yeah. Right? Sorry, I interrupted you. But like the the good stuff, the, the, the moment you get the email and it's after the, oh my gosh, this happened, or it's how could this happen? You go and you give that to your whoever else is accessible on your phone, instead of saving it for your partner. That's a like that's that piece of, I'm going to give this to you because you're my person. And then when I do that, it fills both of us up. It's almost like giving space to be able to talk about things that are not logistical or, you know, like my husband and I, some of my favorite conversations are when we're just talking about random. It could be like pop culture. Like I started that podcast with my sister and my husband listens to it. So he'll like, he'll talk to me about things that we 
talked about, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is fun. It's it's kind of like the things that you would talk about when you were dating each other, you know? I was on a flight recently and I have a beef with carry-on luggage and how long it took for us to get into the air and how it delayed me arriving home because carry-on luggage, we could do a podcast on that or maybe you and your sister should do one. Anyway, so I get home that night, we put the kids to bed and Greg and I like to do at least 10 minutes to chat before going to bed. We process things that have happened during the day, but because I was away, we spent more time chatting and we had this 45-minute in-depth conversation around airlines and boarding <laughs> and luggage and how do we solve this? And, and at the end of it, we both said, well, it seems like we've solved something that is absolutely not in our control <laughs> at all. Time to go to sleep. And, you know, we just felt good, though, because that is that part of our connection that we liked so much about each other at the beginning of our relationship, which is tapping into that frequently and regularly. Yeah, that's funny. Just like the light stuff. Have you heard, while we're on this topic, have you heard of the thing called the Connect deck? I've, I've heard of lots of different decks. Which okay. one is this? I'm going to send it to you. There's like this big craft show in Toronto every year. I call it a craft show. It's like a massive like trade show thing. It's incredible. But it's all Canadian small businesses that sell things. And I think this company was from Montreal. They have different sets of decks. And one of them is a Connect deck for like a date night. It's you pick up a, a card and it's like questions. Anyways, I bought it. We haven't done it yet, but I really need to do it. Okay, I'm going to plug my 100 questions to deepen your connection. So I have a list. It's free on my website. Greg and I took it on a date night. Of course, we tried it out. And we got through three questions, which was, you know, the goal is not to get through all 100. Pick one. But you talk about things outside of how are things with the kids? How's parenting? How's work? Right? That was fun. I love that. Okay, choose validation over problem solving. Mm. Gosh, we are really good fixers. And fixing, actually, let's circle back to this. Something, too, that I, I notice in relationships, going back to how you said, oh, I text my mom or I text somebody else instead of saving it for my husband, is that we, in some ways, can be intimacy avoidant that to be vulnerable with another person and to actually sit in hard stuff, that requires a lot of us, a, a lot of like what's inside of us to be there with another person. And so I think sometimes, especially in these stages of overwhelm, overstimulation of parenting, we want to not do the deeper vulnerability piece. And it's important to recognize that we do need that deeper intimacy, being vulnerable with another person. So this piece around validating over problem solving when someone comes to us and says, I'm having such a hard day, problem solving, fixing sounds like, well, did you do this? What about that? Don't worry about it. And they're often well-intentioned statements, but yet we're all really good problem solvers within ourselves. We know solutions. And one of the things we're looking for most is, do you see me? Do you hear me? Are you actually understanding what I'm saying? Can you provide me with empathy and say, oh gosh, that was your day. That's so hard. What do you think you'll do next? It's almost like acknowledging that something sucks. That something sucks or it was good. But yeah, problem solving and fixing, it's a really great way to shut down intimacy. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com. 
we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. If you're thinking about you being the person that's, let's say you had a bad day at work or something, like you were saying, we already know, like we've already worked through the fixing stuff or, you know, what about like, did you do this or what about this? It's like, no, I'm already here. So let's just acknowledge where I'm at. We don't need that on top of it. Express appreciation. This is a big one. Yeah. Tell me how in your life. I feel like it's so much easier. I love just talking about my own experiences, but the next one is about love languages. So my husband's love language is like very much so acts of service. It's like he should get that like tattooed on his forehead. But I think when you have lived with someone for so long and you've been together for a long time, the things that you appreciate and that are special and that you started to love them for in the beginning just kind of can be overlooked. And it's like, this is just your norm now, you know? And so you start to lose appreciation. So if he takes my car, if he's on call and he takes my car into the hospital and it needs gas, like 100% it's going to be full the next day. Like washes my car. There's certain things that like I don't even have to think about. Like he just does them. He does for you the acts of service. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. But I can see where if we have a big snowfall, he goes to work before I would have to drive Milo to school and like my car is cleared. I think we are pretty good at acknowledging each other's because I'm acts of service person too. But I can see where, you know, you don't necessarily say thank you or you don't like bring it up and you just kind of it becomes your norm. And you're like, oh, okay. And imagine one day someone comes over to you and like the person you admire and love so much, they come over to you and they say, I saw you do the thing with Milo. Like, I just want you to know, I think you're such a cool mom. That's so you cute. Know? Yeah. Like really, when you really sink into hearing that, it's like, yeah, I would love to hear that. I would love to receive, anyone would love to receive that. Like the way you show up with our child just means so much to me. We're doing this together and I wouldn't want to be doing this with anybody else. Yeah, see that? Like we need to do more of that. Because again, like mentally, I can think it all I want. It's the next step, which requires you to be a bit more vulnerable to actually vocalize it. And you can start by, so for people who are like, oh, I can't say that to my partner, text it. You can text it or write it down and leave a note for them. That goes a long way. That's and, nice. Yeah. I, I always like thinking about that. You know, think of that person's character and let them know what you 
dig about them. And we would all love to receive that. That's so true. And it's like, this is the person that I chose to like live my life with and like have a child with. Like, you might think to yourself, like, obviously it's a given that I think highly of you as a person. But over the years, like, you just don't hear those things anymore. Oh, I'm going to tell him today. And I'm so quick to be like, get off your phone, put your phone down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, How human of you, Renee, in the sense <laughs> that, you know, we point out the negatives. We see the negatives so much easier. And and that is that support of Gottman's research, which is for every one negative statement, you need five positive statements to outweigh that. And it's part of because we hold cognitive biases and negative filtering. We only see the things that are not done. We only see the ways that you are not showing me love, but I've told you, come and give me a hug, come and give me a hug. But you don't see the car being cleared and the gas tank filled up and all of those pieces. We focus on what's not there. and. A really powerful shift to stay connected in your relationship is to practice every day seeing something that your partner is doing that shows you that they're there with you and then also you vocalizing that. And it could be as small as, I'm glad we're doing this together or thanks for getting me that glass of water means a lot to me. Oh man, see, I needed this episode because it's so, and it's like, it can be the smallest thing. But like just hearing you say that, like, oh, like you're a really like good dad, like the way that you're with my like, oh. like yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about understanding our partner's love language. And I also have the question about love languages. Cause when you were talking about the expressing appreciation, I was like, oh, that might be easier for somebody who gives love in words of affirmation, words of affirmation. right? Mm -hmm. Whereas for us, we're very much like acts of service. So we're probably terrible at words of affirmation. The appreciation piece, yeah. Yeah. So like, is it important for you to understand your partner's love language, but then also try to expand your, like both of your love languages to the other ones so that it's more like, well-rounded? Does that make sense? I think it's more about a negotiation between or a co-creation between two people than necessarily I'm going to give you everything in this one way. So I'll use a really obvious example where one partner says, physical touch is my love language. And if the couple's not in a great space or she's newly postpartum and physical touch is not, or there's a trauma history or something that... It's not that she can then just say, okay, I will put all of myself on the back burner and just try to give that more to my partner. So I, I think there's this co-creation that has to happen. And I know for many couples, and I'm intentionally using this as an example that, and this is not, not to be true in all situations, but many men in my office will say, I'm, I feel connected when we have sex. And I need to have more sex. And she says, well, I feel connected when you show up emotionally. And what's important then is if she's not able to meet him at that level of, of his desire and arousal, of wanting to go to that level, of he would, he would prefer it three times a week. And she says once a week. Then what we focus on is let's find the other ways of building intimacy. 
looking at the emotional intimacy, the physical intimacy, and then being able to highlight those moments where you're sitting on the couch together and you're talking about the airline dilemma or, right? Like it, it is that, how do we then see those other parts and expand that so we do feel connected together and we're co-creating what this works, like how this works for both of us. It reminds me of the point that intimacy does not equal having sex. Mm-hmm. And yet we live in a world where we talk about sex and sex is the end goal and orgasms especially for men, are the end goal. And we are missing the opportunity for a lot of play and pleasure and excitement and exploration and anticipation. And I even think about like cuddling, holding hands, like when you're in the mall, having a deep conversation, you know, like all of those things to me, like intimacy to me does not just mean but that's how like society takes it. Like being intimate with someone is, but like, couldn't you and I have an intimate conversation? Like, isn't that what the word means? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The sense of feeling close in some way, but right. Oftentimes people use the word intimacy to mean sex and we do want to expand that. So I always like to tell this story that in the, our first lockdown of COVID, my husband and I painted our main floor of the house and we felt incredibly close because we're doing a project together. So that's experiential intimacy. Or if you decide to go for a hike in a new area that you haven't been to before, that's an experience you're having. Maybe you learn a new board game or you try a new bottle of something or the, the different cheese boards. That's an experience together and you're sharing something and that's building connection. Yeah. I remember years ago listening to an episode of the Jay Shetty podcast on purpose is what it's called. And it was seven things, something, something to like build your relationship. And one of the things that like blew my mind and I was like, oh my God, it's so true is that when you're in a long-term relationship with someone, you tend to stop having experiences with them. And I was like, oh my God. So of course I got on this like idea that, you know, once a month we're going to have this date and like you plan something, then I'll plan something and it's going to be like an experience. And like we went to the driving range once and then we stopped doing it because like it's hard to get a babysitter here. (laughs) Yes. So the babysitter part is definitely the challenge, but don't let that limit you, right? So try a new recipe. Baby goes to bed. Yes. And and I know the piece is that it's the, oh, I'm going to be tired the next day or staying up later. And what if it's a bad night of sleep? It might be. And what if it's just one night a month that you say, we are doing this together. It might go off the rails. I might be tired the next day. But what I often hear from people is the connection that we feel as a result of that late night or not great night's sleep. It just fills us up completely. And that then helps you be a better parent. I wish more parents understood that when you feel close and connected with your partner, when you have that, and you know this from the attachment research, when you feel secure with your partner, you can go out into the world and you have more resilience in all of life stresses. When you are distressed, when you are feeling insecure with your partner, you have an insecure attachment together, it is much harder to face all of those challenges. Our partnership needs to be nurtured and tended to because all of the other stuff well then, it's not going to be easy, but you'll have that better sense of resilience. 
Like the new recipe, that's a great idea. And I'm always trying to think of things. My friend Alex is really good at this. Like once a month, they'll do a date night and they'll like order food in from one of their favorite places. They'll get even like non-alcoholic, like make mocktails or like a bottle of their favorite wine or whatever it might be and watch a movie. Like my sister and her fiance just started doing every single Wednesday night one of them picks a movie from before 2010 that they have to watch. So like an old school, old school, like 2010 <laughs> <laughs> movie. And I was like, that's such a good idea. But like, do you have any other ideas of things that couples can do after the kids go to bed just to kind of enhance connection? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Board games or card oh, games. Love that. Yeah. And also try something new or try something you haven't, bring something back in that you haven't done for a while. I will say learning a new game with Greg was challenging because we had to have enough patience and focus to be like, that's, I don't think that's what the rules say. I don't know. And board game rules are always, it was ticket to ride. We did not play it right the first time, but whatever. It was still fun. What else? I, I mean, I often hear this point of contention with partners where it's like, oh, they're, they're video gaming and that's not my thing. Okay, go join them once a month and learn the game that they love to play and do that once a month. Is it doing a yoga class together at home? That could be something as well. Trying a new recipe. Is it ordering something in? Oh, there's and there's box challenges too that you can do. What is it? The rooms that you, the mystery rooms, what are those Oh, called? really? The escape room? The escape room. I think you can order those in. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Lots of different things to try at home. Just the other day, and Milo was even home playing with us, we did Scrabble. You know, like Milo had his letters and my husband was making words for Milo when it was his turn. But even just that, I was like, Milo's not in bed. We don't have a babysitter and we're still sitting here doing something. We're focusing our attention on each other and this game and even just that felt nice. And you're and you're doing puzzles, so you can do puzzles oh, too God, I together. Love puzzles right now, yeah, I'm obsessed. One other idea: we've always lived near trails to bike on, and I remember someone saying that her and her husband would take like it doesn't have to be an evening date. That can get complicated too if you have young kids because you don't want someone else to put your kids to bed. It could be a whole thing. But she was like, we'll take a Sunday afternoon or something and bike down one of the trails. There's a pub down it. We'll stop for a beer, lunch, and then bike home, like just during the day. I was like, day dates are underrated. Day dates. They are fantastic. We love day dates. Skiing. So we've been skiing. I took. I started lessons at the same time my son started lessons. And when the kids are both in lessons, that gives Greg and I a chance to do one or two runs together, maybe four runs together. The other day, it just so happened that we were with another family and the kids started to play. The other family wasn't going to come up with us. So we snuck off for one extra run. And it was just the two of us. And we we're sitting in the chairlift like, hey, How's life? Yeah, look at us. <laughs> look at us, right? But the day date is so special. And especially when, if you're working from home, it doesn't have to be something big. Get out for a walk together, hold hands, try the new trail, go for the bike ride, just anything that you're experiencing together. I totally agree with what Jay Sh Shetty said in that sense of we need to keep having experiences. Okay, there was lots more things that I wanted to talk to you about, but 
this is why I have regular guests this year, because you can just come back. We'll cover the defensiveness and anger next time. Yeah. My plan for like the near future is to do, because I have friends in Kingston, Brockville, Ottawa, and Embrun, which is outside of Ottawa. So my idea, I'm going to do like a tour of friends and I'm going to like go all the way down, visit everybody. We can record and then I'm going to come back up. So stay tuned for that. Fantastic. You'll come in my office then. We'll do it together in person. I'm excited. Me too. Well, thank you so much. This was absolutely lovely and I'm sure I will see you soon. Oh, but first tell people just in case they haven't listened to our past episodes where they can find you about your book and your website where they can find the 100 questions. Mm -hmm. After you've listened today, come and tell me what stood out for you and what's one small thing. So I'm going to challenge listeners. What's one small thing you're going to do in your relationship today? I know Renee is going to go and do the appreciation piece. Tell me that in my DMs over on Instagram, Dr. Tracy D. And then my website is drtracyd.com. And all the links are there. My book is called I Didn't Sign Up For This. And I love reading the reviews, Renee. The book has reached so many it's been surreal that's That's so cool so thank you for being part of that journey with me yeah and you were just on the squeeze which I saw today and Mm -hmm. I was like oh my god I know I know it was so cool it was a great conversation yeah were they like lovely they were amazing yeah they were so cool and you know it's I think it's so special when two people who are in a relationship are willing to have a relationship conversation Mm -hmm. it's special yeah yeah I have to listen to it still they have a YouTube channel too for it right yes yeah did you watch twilight like growing up i think i did the first one oh okay i was so into twilight and i loved taylor greg came to me the other morning he goes so you recorded with like the twilight heartthrob right and i was like yes (laughs) the werewolf (laughs) (laughs) yes Yes, with jacob black yeah no it was it was a great conversation yeah so cool yeah relationships are fun they can be fun but i know they are such a great source of stress for so many people and just this kind of understanding that we're social beings we are meant to be connected and dependent on each other And how we go about doing that is just a space for learning and growing and challenging ourselves. Oh, I wanted to add one more piece. When I was thinking about our conversation today, when we are in these seasons of disconnect, what we tend to do is we choose the easy road, which is our phone. It's right there. We grab the phone. It's easy to connect to it. And I want to challenge listeners. I want you to choose the hard road, which I promise you is the more meaningful road. That when you keep the phone away and you snuggle a little closer to your partner on the couch, that will lead to something longer lasting than the quick fix that you're going to get from your phone. Something that I will add to that, and it's not necessarily anything to do with relationships, but just the idea of not having that as a distraction 24-7 and being more intentional with what I'm doing, even just like moving around the kitchen, like putting dishes in the dishwasher, like... I'm not rushing because I'm not trying to get back to like checking something or like looking at my email. It's like, no, I'm taking this time now to make dinner, to tidy up the kitchen. And I'm not even worried about my phone. I have even, this is going to sound so silly, but it has made such a big difference. I like talk to Bubbles, my dog. Like I'll like talk to him and cuddle him. And like just before I came downstairs here, I take 
45 seconds to like pet him on the couch and like kiss his head and be like, I'll be right back. Before, it's like, I'm too in a uh, a rush. Like, I got to go do this. Like, I would ignore Bubbles like all day. And now I'm like, hi, like, come cuddle with me. Has made like the world of a difference. He's like a therapy dog. I love that. And you're getting that connection of serotonin and that lasts longer. It feels yeah. good. He's yes. so cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this was lovely. Thank you so much for coming on. And we will chat soon. Chat soon.